Hey, hey, welcome to episode number 60 of the Brave Widow Show. Today, I talk with Vicki Marcy, who lost her husband shortly after their 25th wedding anniversary due to a motorcycle accident where a driver made an illegal U-turn and hit her husband. Learn how Vicki navigated anger, bitterness, hostility, and grief and became a phoenix rising from the ashes of grief to create a beautiful new life full of joy and adventure and excitement. I think you're really going to like Vicki's story and what she has to share as she navigated all of those emotions. Vicki, all right, so let me introduce Vicki. Vicki is a widow who had to find a new life for the last year she worked in production. She now works in production for live events for companies such as Fortune, GM, and others. She gets to see celebrities. She gets to see movie sets, just all kinds of things in her new life. So I think you're really going to like her story. All right, before we dive into Vicki's story, I just want to remind you that we have a lot of live events that are happening here in the Brave Widow community and for the public to attend. So we have here in December, when this podcast episode goes live, we have our winter solstice event that is going to be happening on December 21st. So right around the corner from when you hear this podcast episode, the best way that you can sign up for it or that you can hear about other live events is by going to bravewidow.com slash free, F-R-E-E, and signing up for the email list. The email subscribers get the scoop on the latest and the greatest live events, on free resources, on guides, on checklists, on things that we are coming out with to help you as a widow navigate grief and navigate life after grief and for your friends and family to help you through those things. So I would love for you to sign up for the email list and to join us on the live event that's happening on December 21st with the winter solstice event. We have activities, we have music, we have um, gifts that we give away. We laugh, we cry. It's a we have a panel of widows that share their stories and experience. It's just a really great time. It's my favorite event that we do here at Brave Widow. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Again, to sign up, you go to bravewidow.com slash free and join the email list. All right, let's dive into Vicki's story. Welcome to the Brave Widow podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jones. We help young widows heal their heart, find hope, and dream again for the future. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Brave Widow Show. Today, I have a special guest, Vicki Marcy, and I'm so excited for you to hear about her story and uh, what insights and tips that she has for you all um, as our audience. So Vicki, welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm so excited to be here and get to share a little bit. Um, my name's Vicki, of course. I... Uh, was married for 25 years and uh, my husband got hit on his motorcycle driving to work two weeks after our 25th wedding anniversary um i got the call when i was going into my office at work and spent six days at the hospital you know hoping i never got to speak to him again since he kissed me 
Yeah. So when you got the call, were you at home? Were you? I was at work. I had just, when I pulled in the parking lot at work, it popped into my head that he had not called. And I'd always heard from him before, you know, I literally got in the parking lot and, but I went on into my office and we had these morning briefings at 8 a.m. And it was 8.01 when I was walking away from my desk towards the meeting room. And that's when my phone rang and it said it was the Columbia County Marshal's Department. And when I looked at it, I declined the call. Something inside me just stopped. And then immediately the phone started to ring again and it was the same number. And, you know, my husband rode motorcycles for 20, 30 years. He's commuted, you know, across Atlanta, Tallahassee. He was a great driver. But as his wife, from the moment he first got on it, I'd had this call a million times. And so when it, when I saw it, I didn't even have to answer it. And so when I answered the call, they were telling me that he had been in an accident. And, and when they said, we'll send a police car to pick you up, that's when I, I just knew. I knew. I've, I've always said that people call it their gut, their whatever. I call it my line to God. And it it just really has never in my life led me astray. And in that moment, I knew. I just knew. And um, I got to the hospital. They'd already taken him into surgery. And he just never never came out of that but he did make it to the hospital so I had police officers meeting me at the hospital I had EMTs who stayed some doctors everybody was telling me every word he said from the time they got to the accident site you know till the time they took him into surgery and knocked him out yeah uh, and, uh, but I never made it there in time to see or speak to him again. And so he was there for six days, you said? Six days. They kept trying to go back into surgery. And it was Friday and Easter Sunday was Sunday. And Fridays when they came to me and said, you know, Saturday morning, I signed a DNR. So I spent all day Saturday just praying to God to take him. Please don't make me have to do this because I can't let him lay there like this, you know. And um, so I knew Sunday was Easter Sunday and he was going to be, he was going to be resurrected or he's going to be God one way or another. I, it was, and um, so Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, I pulled, I signed the paper and pulled life support and well, let him was- go with Jesus on a very special day and that 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 makes me see Easter even more than I always ever saw Easter but and then and then I died too you know who I was then his wife I died too and because I've been with him since I was 22 and I was 48 (laughs) you know so my whole identity my whole everything was surrounded around him my whole you know I mean every plan for future and retirement and you know just every what we're gonna do you know every plan I had for the whole rest of my life was surrounded around him and in one instance you know it was gone and the part of my identity you know when we got married in his vows, he said I was the yin to his yang. And we always said that where one was weak, the other was strong. And that's how we were able to be so strong together, you know. He was totally my soulmate. I had what very few people ever find, and I'm blessed for every second that I had him. But 
I went back to work after the funeral and I only made it to lunch. <laughs> I left at lunch and um, I called my sister who went and told my boss I wouldn't be back and packed my office up for me. And I knew right then that I could not try to live the life I lived with him without him. I couldn't go and punch a time clock and expect to be going home to cook him dinner and sit in recliners and lay on the couch and watch TV because that wasn't my life anymore. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? How much of who we are and what we like and what we do, like how much of that is so closely integrated with. Do you know how long I did not even watch TV because I couldn't think of a show that just I wanted to watch and just didn't just you know kill me inside because even if it was a new show in my mind oh Andrew missed this you know man he would have loved this show we would have watched this so therefore I quit watching it music I couldn't listen to music for like a year yeah yeah all those things I think the brain fog her helps you know with that too because you can't it for me it was just hard to focus like to just focus to watch a show or to read a book or to focus do on what yeah. I said I think that we should immediately get to go talk to somebody about schizophrenia but I felt like I just immediately became a schizophrenic and I've got 20 people living in my head none of them make any sense <laughs> You know, the person who used to be there is gone. (laughs) I totally felt like, you know, the brain fog and everything is beyond drill and the inability to focus. But um, the feeling like you've got 20 other people in your head. One of the things I come up with in about month three was I couldn't listen to my head because it was crazy. I couldn't listen to my heart because it was broken. But even as angry as I was at God, I still had faith in my gut. I still had faith that that's how he was communicating to me. So things that felt right in my gut are what I would do. And that's how I have pretty much from month three to now and for the rest of time, most likely. um, I listen to my head a tiny bit more. I still don't listen to my heart because, yeah. But my gut has really... I can't believe where I am now compared to where I was. It's, it's, yeah. it's, and how long, awesome. how long ago was that? I know it was Easter. Was it this year? Um, he, uh, he died April 4, 2021. Okay. So it's been about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm on 30 months, 30 going in 31 months. Time just really doesn't mean the same thing anymore. I know you know that the whole, time heals wounds and everything time has helped me to learn who I am now and this new creature that I am and whatnot and how to find joy that was hard without guilt especially you're hitting on so many good things (laughs) okay you're you're month 30 here and you were at least at first angry at God and oh, uh, yes. felt like you couldn't trust yourself probably felt like you would never be happy again didn't so, even want to live the only time I prayed to God was when I woke up in the morning that I wouldn't have to wake up the next morning so how what was that journey like to get you to a point where you even want to do this podcast I was very blessed with 
I've read stories of a lot of women who hadn't had nobody, you know, and I tried to push everybody who loved me away. I tried very hard to push everybody who loved me away, but they wouldn't leave. <laughs> they wouldn't leave. They'd show up at my house. They'd crawl in my bed. Um, the first Thanksgiving when I never, I did put clothes on and try to leave the house, but I hit the doorknob and just then hit the floor and started crying, put my pajamas on, went back to bed. You also got to remember, I'm dealing with a man who hit him. And so around the holidays is when the DAs and the courts finally start contacting me saying, hey, the COVID backlog is the, and we need you to come in and, yeah, you know, we're setting court dates. And yeah, I'm just trying to get through, you know, the first holidays and all this is happening at the same time. And uh, my best friend knocked on my door one day with suitcases. <laughs> with suitcases and she just walked in and she said I'm not leaving and she didn't leave and um, she went to every court appointment with me every DA meeting she was right there with me I had people yes I had and she's just one I had people who I was lucky enough to be able to be honest with and tell them that you know flat out I did not want to live you know that I didn't know who I was without him I didn't want to even find out who I was without him I didn't want I just wanted to be with him you know that's all I wanted and um then crazy things started coming I got a call to a crew on a movie and I ended up I got so much love on that movie and then when it was over I got a call to go to Puerto Rico to film a movie well my husband's brother passed away the year we got married and his ashes are spread in Puerto Rico for 20 something years. All I've heard from Andrew is he wants to go to Puerto Rico. He wants to see where his brother's ashes is. I got a call out of the blue to be a crew member on a movie. And I got to take his ashes there and nobody knew. And the last day before we wrapped the movie, somebody had found out about it and they all came to me and I'm talking some pretty famous actors too and a huge movie crew. And they said, we're your family and you're not doing this alone. Let's go. And we went down to the beach and and I got to scatter his ashes in Puerto Rico. And that was just, how does that happen? Yeah. That is amazing. How what does a, that what happen? a wonderful blessing. I'm t- the producer asked me when it was over, he said, why here? Why now? And I told him the story about, you know, Andrew and his brother being there. And he said, are you kidding me? And I said, you thought you were just hiring me for a job and you did God's work and didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he did too <laughs> he did too and that's really what it's been from then on um now I'm uh working in production I'm a stage manager with Fortune magazine uh they do live events all over the country and I see the most incredible people I just had Ryan Seacrest in my green room I mean and I see and I go to the most amazing places and and I live the joy I make myself see the beauty I make myself find the joy I make myself appreciate all of it 
And I try not to dwell on the fact that I know I wouldn't have this life if Andrew was here. And I also know that I would much rather just be a wife punching a time clock somewhere and going home and cooking dinner and watching TV that night, you know. But I feel like, I've never said this out loud, but I feel like for everything God got, you know, I'd say he took because he didn't. What happens, happens. But he's really given me a lot back. He's really, really, it's, and I, this was just this past March that I realized that I was the footprints point. And all the times that I was so angry at him and just thought that, you know, he had just abandoned me in this world on my own. I uh, realized I was the footprints point and he was carrying me that time. All that time he was carrying me. Oh, I love that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll have to reference that poem later for people that don't know what that is, but um, that's such a beautiful picture. And you're right. I also have done a lot of things that Nathan didn't like, would never have done. My life would never have looked that way, you know, if we were still together. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I would go back in time and happily trade for it. But I think to your point, it's a relief that we can still have joy in life and we can still have great adventures and do things so much more. I, I often thought mm -hmm. about the story of Job in the Bible and oh, I, I thought I felt like I lost everything, but you know, that, that person in the Bible lost so much more and mm -hmm. God did end up blessing him with way more than he had before. So I just kept saying, God won't take me backwards and allow me to have less and less and less over life. That's not the kind of being that that God is so I'm so it, you're making me teary I just uh you know hearing your story and experience and share with the audience what people refer to you as what they call you they call me the phoenix and um, how did that start when at a time when I was at my absolute absolute lowest you know and um, I had a friend who told me that she believed in me so much and she said, I promise you, you cannot see it now, but the day is going to come that you will rise from these ashes, just like a phoenix with technicolor wings, and you will take flight. And so that's what they call me. They call me the phoenix because that day did come and I found I found joy again. I, I actually, right after the one year mark, yeah, talking about time, why do we think that, you know, just a date, you're going to wake up on some day and everything's suddenly going to be fine. But I really felt like when one year hits, I'm, you know, <laughs> Lord help me. <laughs> so I grabbed my little dog and we got in the car and from Augusta, Georgia, we just started driving. I'd never been any further west than like New Orleans. And we went to the Grand Canyon. And I saw things I'd never seen before in my whole entire life. And it's where my eyes first opened up that I could still experience beautiful things. And that there was so much I'd never seen, so much I'd never done. And that all Andrew would want is for me to jump on every dream. We, we took, you know, and for 25 years of marriage, we would make every leap. You know, something come up, we're going to try it. You know, we called them our little leaps of faith. Poof, we're going, we're going. We were dreamers. And 
I lost that for a little bit, but I got that back. I got that back. And I think that the worst thing that could have come out of his death would have been for me to have lost being a dreamer and become a bitter person. And I was so close to that. And I'm going to be honest, one of the first things I did, I always thought I could find the answers to everything in a book. You know, I'm Gen X, so I grew up with encyclopedias and dictionaries. If I had a question, they told me to go go to the bookshelf. You know, I always thought I could find the answer in a book until I became a widow. And there is, there's no book, there's no guideline, there's no, there, there, and it's different for everybody. And um, when I first started listening to different stories and um, joining widows groups, I read stories of people who were seven years out and still couldn't stand to get out of the bed during the day. And I just prayed and prayed, God, please don't let that be me. I cannot let that be me. You know, what do I have to do? So I believe it's a conscious effort you have to make. I believe that you have got to consciously make the decision that you're going to find the joy. You're going to find a reason. You're going to still see beautiful things. And until you do that, I think you probably maybe stay stuck. Yeah, definitely have to make that proactive decision that you want to heal and that you do want to move forward, not to leave your person behind, but that you're not never. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that- he's right there. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's always going to be people I work with feel like they know him, you know, and, um, and he leaves me sunflowers. He used to grow sunflowers for me everywhere. And it took me, I don't know, maybe three or four months to till I realized that I saw them. I saw it just in the craziest of places. And and it was actually the same preacher who baptized us long, long ago. His wife, anyway, she told me, she said, Vicki, I have absolutely no doubt in this world that he leaves those sunflowers for you. And um, I'll be somewhere like on a big gig or something, you know, and I can promise you somewhere there's just this little thing sitting there that has sunflowers in it. I feel like he's still with me. I feel like he's a part of me for the longest time because we were the yin yang. When he first died, I just how how do I just live as the yin, you know, but now through all the metamorphosis and I've been doing these past two years, and this new creature that I am, I'm the yin and the yang now. <laughs> you know, mm. he left me everything I needed to do what he would not be here to do for me is how I feel. I love so. that. What do you say to the widow who's where you were just a few months out? You know, <laughs> maybe they were in the same situation. They're angry at the person that hit their spouse in the accident. They're dealing with the DA and the lawyer's office and all they want is to be left alone and, and be angry at the world. What, what words would you share with that person? A number one, it's a process that you have to go through. So it's not something that's just going to click off immediately and stop. Um, it, I can say for me, it reaches a point where you know this is not how you want to wake up every day anymore. And, but 
through some of it, you need that anger and you need to cry. You need to grieve, but you've got to reach the point where you realize that that's not the rest of your life. That's not the rest of your life. As for the man who hit him, I've never known such hatred and anger. It was scary. It was scary. And then I have the police who's telling me some of Andrew's last words were that he wasn't mad at the man. So, you know, I'm like, you know, that was so in court, I was not very nice and I didn't care what he had to say and I didn't really listen. And that was in February of 2022. And by July of 2022, I realized I wasn't hurting anybody but myself. So I had the police report and I had his address. I don't know if it works or not, but I wrote him a letter and I mailed it to that address with no return address. And I said, I know you think I hate you because I heard you say that in court, but I just don't have room in my heart or my life for hatred anymore. And um, forgiveness is not for you. Forgiveness is for me because I can't move forward with my life if I'm holding on to you. And uh, so I said, but I do hope you wake up every morning and you think of him or you think of me. Yeah. But the hatred and the forgiveness was with the forgiveness was there. The hatred was gone. And that's probably one of the hardest things I went through in the entire process was, uh, but I wasn't hurting him. He didn't know I was only hurting myself and stunting where I could move to by holding on to all of that. So I would definitely say when it happens, it happens. I was driving. I was driving from Charlotte, North Carolina to Kentucky, and it just hit me like a tidal wave. You have to let it go for you. And you can't accept the blessings that are coming to you while you're holding on to this in your heart. Yeah. And it's very counterintuitive, but you're absolutely right. So that's my as far as that's concerned, that's my biggest thing is you've got to find some way to let it go. And that's the hardest part. That's really the hardest part because you never let go of your spouse. You know, they're always, they're always with us in some way, but letting go of that hatred of that man, that was, he took everything from me. Because he made an illegal U-turn at six o'clock in the morning on a dark road. Yeah, that's really tough. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and some of your suggestions for how other people can navigate something. I can't even fathom uh, the emotions and the pain that, that you've gone through. But thank you for being so open and vulnerable today. Thank you for having me, Emily. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Brave Widow podcast. I would love to help you take your next step, whether that's healing your heart, finding hope, or achieving your dreams for the future. Do you need a safe space to connect with other like-minded widows? Do you wish you had how-tos for getting through the next steps in your journey, organizing your life, or moving through grief? What about live calls where you get answers to your burning questions? The Brave Widow membership community is just what you need. Inside, you'll find courses to help guide you, a community of other widows to connect with, 
live coaching and Q&A calls and small group coaching where you can work on what matters most to you. Learn how to heal your heart, find hope, reclaim joy, and dream again for the future. It is possible. Head on over to bravewidow.com to learn more.